hey Changemaker, welcome back. I am Julia Wicklander, your host of the Hey Changemaker podcast and the founder of Girls Globe, the global feminist media platform for gender equality, human rights, social justice, and sustainability. This is our 20th episode of the Hey Changemaker podcast. It has been such an incredible journey. I knew for a very long time that I wanted to create a podcast that would inspire me and other changemakers by having conversations with others who share their experiences and share the challenges and about how they manage. It is just such a hard choice to choose work that requires us to take risks, break norms, and stand up against things. We're not going with the flow of existing power structures. We're stepping into our innate power, which can be incredibly challenging. At the same time, we face setbacks and obstacles, and still, time and time again, we rise with hope and love and solidarity. I am so incredibly grateful that you've been a part of this journey so far. The Hey Changemaker podcast only launched in October last year. And so far, we've reached listeners in over 47 countries, from Pakistan to Paraguay and from New Zealand to the Netherlands. I know that you care about creating change, and I know that the only way we can see sustainable change is by building movements together, by learning from each other and standing up in solidarity across borders and across continents. So if you haven't yet, Please hit subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it, and please share an episode with someone you think could be encouraged, inspired, or helped. Because feeling alone in the struggle for equality, human rights, justice, and sustainability can really break our hope. And this podcast is all about strengthening our hope instead. And with that said, I'm so excited about sharing this episode with you. My guest today is Ruchira Gupta, an author and activist who believes in a world in which no child is bought or sold. After winning an Emmy for her documentary on sex trafficking, she set up an NGO called Apne Up that has helped thousands of girls and women exit systems of sexual exploitation. She has worked with the UN to change laws and policies in countries all over the world to end sex trafficking. I first heard about Ruchira's work many years ago when it was shared by Nicholas Kristoff and Cheryl Woodun in their book, Half the Sky. And this conversation does take me back to when I was in Mumbai studying population issues and human trafficking. We will talk about her amazing work, her upcoming book, her debut novel, I Kick and I Fly, which is based on experiences related to her, and the change that she has seen and the challenges that remain. She shares personal stories and truly a message of hope. Ruchira Gupta, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hey Changemaker podcast. I'm so happy to be on your podcast because I love your country, Sweden. And I love the cause that your NGO, uh, Girls Globe, advocates and stands for. Mm, thank you so much. Um, so, I mean, 
there's so much to talk to you about. And I would love, as, as I ask many of our guests, to start off to share a story of a moment um, when you realized that you wanted to be a change maker, um, that you just felt like you had to do something more to create positive change. Can you start off with sharing a bit of a story? There are a few pivotal moments. Oh, the most uh, striking one uh, is what made me uh, take a stand against sex trafficking was uh, when I was traveling through the hills of Nepal, I came across rows of villages which didn't have any girls from age 15 to 45. And I was really shocked because, you know, like I couldn't understand how so many girls could be missing. So I asked the men who were drinking tea, playing cards, where the girls were. And they said that they all are in Bombay. Now, these villages are very remote up in the Himalayas, 1400 kilometers from the town of Bombay. So I couldn't understand how this was happening. I was a journalist. And so like a good journalist, I began to look for the answer. And the answer changed my life. Because I found that a smooth supply chain existed from these very uh, remote hamlets all the way to the brothels of Bombay. And uh, I saw that little girls between the ages of 9 and 13 were sold by poor and starving farmers who didn't know what Mumbai or Bombay represented. And they would let their daughters go for $50, $100 to find a job in the big city. Sometimes even think, yes, they might be in prostitution. But uh, they thought that this meant roof, food, and the girls would be better off. And they would let these daughters go. And then there were these transporters, agents, corrupt border guards, pimps, brothel managers, um, you know, financiers, money lenders, uh, landlords, organized criminal networks, uh, all running this smooth supply chain from these villages to the brothels. And behind them, of course, were the customers who were buying these little girls mm. for as little as 30 cents, 50 cents per rape. What I saw was that once these girls were taken to the brothels, they were locked up in tiny rooms for years and just trotted out for these customers um, again and again till their bodies were completely used up. And then if they had children, then they were told that the children would be put into the same position to replace them. Hmm. You know, as a journalist, I had covered war and famine and hunger and... Um, I had seen a lot of violence, but I had never seen this kind of intimate violence, that too on this scale of little girls. So I decided to do something about it. I ended up making a documentary on the subject uh, called The Selling of Innocence. I won an Emmy for it. Uh, but, you know, somehow when I was on stage looking at all the bright lights, when I received the award, I wanted to do something more. I wanted to use the documentary to make a difference. I didn't want it to, you know, jump, start my career as a documentary filmmaker, but I wanted mm. to use it to make a difference. So I went back with the award to the women who had told their stories in my um, film. And I said, what can I do? And they said, uh, you know, we want to educate our daughters because we don't want our daughters to have the same future as ourselves. And so with the 22 women, I started an NGO called Apnea with the aim of educating their children. 
we didn't know how i wasn't a doctor a social worker a lawyer but we put a straw mat on the floor and we hired a teacher in a community school in the red light district and began and now you know it's almost two decades later i can mm-hmm. report that we have educated thousands of daughters of prostituted women in school mm-hmm. prevented them from being trafficked and help the mothers also organize seek their government entitlements like low cost food and housing and be able to get out of systems of exploitation mm that's amazing thank you so much for sharing that ruchira sharing that personal perspective um and and just in last year alone i read that 800 kids have been able to go to school uh, through apna app 51 women um in one year alone have given opportunities to learn um Uh, a livelihood <laughs> and and food and hygiene has been provided to over 30,000 women and girls. So I mean it's incredibly impressive what has been done just in one year alone and and up now you founded it yeah to 2002 so that that is 20 years ago. Um so tell me a little bit about um sort of the change that you've seen since then i mean india and and mumbai i mean has of course developed in the in those two decades also given that india is now the world's most populous country um with a very large population that is is below the age of of 30 how, how do you see that the, these sort of changes have have impacted um the industry the sex trafficking industry in india and do you ha- have you seen any other changes during those these 20 years you know in these 20 years i have seen changes which are positive and that's why i'm full of hope and i feel kind of triumphant because when i began working on the issue as i said i saw little girls locked up in rooms being trotted out for multiple customers and that time there were hardly any ngos the laws were punishing the women instead of punishing the traffickers and the customers who were raping the girls so i didn't know what could be done and uh, you know 20 years later i can report that my ngo apne aap has helped more than 20000 women and girls uh, get out of systems of exploitation so we have brought about change girl by girl woman by woman for the individual but also at the same time as these girls and women began to get services and began to learn that they could get out they became more empowered and they started forming circles which we call mandalas in the buddhist yeah. term and they are the mahila mandalas which are women circles mm. of small groups of 10 and then we federated into larger and larger groups to be able to advocate for legal and policy change mm. so that women could get services to get out from the government mm-hmm. and even while they were in prostitution food clothing shelter basic needs right yeah. and support for the education of their children mm-hmm. plus bank loans and skills training to start new jobs and uh, at the same time we advocated for changes in the law mm-hmm. to be able to punish the traffickers and the customers because sex trafficking is such a demand driven industry yeah. if there was no customer there would be no profit motive for the trafficker mm. who would not have to he would not be going out into the villages to look for poor uh, low caste uh, girls yeah. to prey upon mm. 
so you know i saw this change law by law the women of apne aap organized marched on the streets and i took them to speak in parliament along with me to ask for a change in law mm. which would shift the blame from the victim to the perpetrator yeah. punish the customer and invest in more choices for at risk girls and women and services for those who wanted to get out and we have that law now it is known as section 370 of the indian penal code yeah. but you know i began to do this legal change because i realized that if i keep doing girl by girl mm. i'm fishing upstream because the traffickers yeah. are ahead of me so if we can have laws so i even took my documentary the selling of innocence and screened it at the un and then to the us senate and then to other places across the world also including india uh, to explain to people that uh, human trafficking looked like this in human terms you know mm. that there was this girl who was controlled by all kinds of people there were these traffickers who bought her and sold her and then there were the customers i showed it as a system and was able to convince uh, senators and congressmen in the us senate to create and pass the first trafficking victim protection act mm. same thing in the united nations i worked with friends and allies many mm. ngos across the world who were realizing the same thing mm. to get the un protocol to end trafficking in persons um, passed because you know the last two decades have been different from the previous decades in terms of trafficking trafficking has taken on a new dimension yeah. the numbers are going up the ages are coming down as the united nations office for drugs and crime tells us mm. in the data that they put out every year yeah yeah it's the third largest crime in the world you know mm. uh, only uh, second to um, arms trade and drug trade and some people say maybe it's crossed the drug trade in terms of billions of dollars mm. being made off it yeah because drugs are consumed once and girls can be consumed again mm. and again yeah but 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 what i want to mention that what the last two decades have shown me is that a solution does exist mm. and which i have of course done in my own small way through my ngo apnea but it can be replicated you know investing in the basic needs of the person that i call the last girl mm. who is the most at risk to being trafficked because she's poor because she's female because she's from a marginalized group like oppressed caste or race uh, you know and because she's a teenager mm. so if we invest in her basic needs and if we create legal infrastructure to punish those who buy and sell her yeah. i think we can make a dent as i have shown and mm. especially investment in the education yeah. of poor and marginalized girls mm. it really triggers change the yeah, yeah. there's more i can say you yeah. know but this uh, mm. thank you so much for giving just painting that whole picture and the history and the change um that you've seen and the the positive impact that you've had um and of course i mean the challenges remain and and as we're seeing sort of um governments shifting policies and and new sort of right wing movements in different parts of the world i mean a lot of things are are interlinked right in in these developments so um it's um it's yeah interesting and it's it's important to have that perspective um that you're sharing so you are releasing a new book called i kick and i fly um and it covers the amazing story of uh a 14 year old girl who finds herself um uh 
at risk of, of being sold. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your motivation to writing this book? Because it is a young adult fiction, as I understand it. So tell me a little bit more about, about the book. I began writing I Kick and I Fly when a girl in my NGO, Apne Aap, won a gold medal in a small village in the red light area of Forbes Ganj in Bihar in India. And that girl was from a nomadic tribe. She was about to be sold into prostitution when a woman's right advocate um, basically enrolled her in a Kung Fu program. And uh, through the practice of Kung Fu, she began to learn the power of her body and then to fight for it. So it's very similar to what actually happened uh, that I saw in my NGO Apne Aap. Because the girl who won the gold medal in karate uh, actually told me that she said, Didi, learning self-defense, I learned that I have a self-worth defending. So it just ch changed things around for her. She stopped being bullied in school. She began to respect herself. Her grades began to be better. Mm -hmm. And when she won the gold medal, the school kids, the principal, everyone began to respect her, but also her community mm -hmm began to respect her and they began to think they were worth something too. So her courage began to infect the community. And it was not just one girl. There were many girls who were part of our karate program and who are still part of our karate program. Mm. And things really changed for them when they began to discover the power of their body. So I saw the importance of uh, body empowerment. Yeah. I saw the importance of self-worth as a tool to stand up to bullying, to trafficking, to, ev to even to hunger. You know, the funny thing is that, you know, if a community begins to believe that it can change and the women begin to organize uh, to bring about the change, standing up to terrible husbands and uh, pimps and traffickers who are beating them, in very small ways, in a small community, they can bring about change. And then during COVID, I began writing the book when the girl won the gold medal and then stopped writing it for a few years because I had so much work to do, doing the actual activism. And then during COVID, I had time to pause because I was in Forbes Ganj in my childhood home with my parents for five months. And, you know, I could see all the despair all around me. But I said, I also was meeting the girls who had um, been through this karate mm -hmm. program who had, uh, you know, finished school and become graduates and they would come by to say hello to me. So I thought I need to share this with other young people that, uh, you know, change is possible, standing up to injustice can win and, uh, you know, communities can organize. I wanted to share the story of hope because I also saw that in Forbes Ganj, where Apne Aap had started working, um, you know, when I had begun working there 22 years ago, um, there were 72 brothels. Mm. And today there are just two brothels mm. because other seven, the, you know, because the traffickers are in jail. Yeah. And women have taken over those mud huts and turned them into homes and small businesses mm. for themselves. And the children are in school That's and amazing. college. So it's a very different model of change and hope. A girl having the courage, the community organizing, women coming together. And that's all there in this book. It's about hope. This book is about yeah. hope. 
Oh, and you shine so much hope when you're speaking. You, I mean, just your smile and everything. I, I, I feel like, you know, the issues that you have been working, you know, against and, and, you know, the, the horrible traumas that these women and girls have endured are, are just unspeakable in so many ways. And, and still they just need to be spoken and they need to be shared for change to be able to, to happen. So, I mean, I, I'm just so inspired by, by the hope that you remain, you know, that you have. Yeah. And that, that's, that, you know, that's why I wrote this book because I want young people to know that things like this happen to people their mm. age, but I also want young people to know that they can do yeah. something about it and stand up to injustice, mm. you know. So, you know, I hope they read the book and they share the book because it will give them also some clues in their own lives. This girl who is the main character in the book, her name is Hira, which means diamond in Hindi, uh, is a diamond in the dust and her courage, she comes from nothing, but she turns a crisis into an opportunity. Mm. She stands up to bullying. She stands up to racism. Mm. She uh, stands up to hunger, homelessness, and poverty in different mm. ways, and uh, body shaming. Mm. So I think kids will find some clues in this book, which could save yeah. lives. And I think parents and teachers will find a very valuable tool in this book to be able to talk to young mm. people about issues which are in plain sight, but invisible, because nobody knows how to talk yeah. about sex, about sexuality. Mm about sexual exploitation, body shaming, body commodification, mm. toxic masculinity, yeah. all these things, you know, but this book provides an age appropriate way to mm. talk. I'm hoping and it's about hope, you yeah. know, and so it's it's a good way to talk to people yeah. about a tough subject. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel like it's, it's touching upon your own motivation, I think, in your work, um, because it's easy to I mean, of course, I, I'm I'm assuming that you've had many, many times where you've been very angry and very upset about uh, what's happening and what's going on and what has, you know, what what these women and girls have endured. Um, how how have you navigated that to to continue to be motivated by hope? Because I mean, and not get too frustrated and angry. Um, just just share a little bit about how you navigate that personally. I navigate uh, the trauma because, you know, you have to, we have to accept that, you know, when you deal with trauma, uh, you do begin to suffer from secondary yeah. trauma. Uh, and once, you know, I was having this conversation with a survivor of prostitution who was speaking to a journalist and she told me, she said, Didi, I'm tired of telling my story again and yeah. again. So I said, multiply you telling your story to one journalist into me telling all your stories to many journalists uh, 20,000 yeah. times and think about how I feel saying that story again and again. Yeah. So we are in this together in solidarity as women because we have to speak yeah. up. So I think one of the ways I deal with the trauma is speaking up because the moment you tell a story, it heals, yeah. it's healing. Uh, the second way I deal with it is through writing because I write and, that, you know, again, it's storytelling, but it also puts words on paper and you externalize all the pain and the yeah. suffering. Um, 
The third way is by doing something about it. So, you know, going to parliament and asking for a change in law or marching with the women and saying that the trafficker needs to be arrested or even filing a case against a trafficker or getting a girl out of a brothel. That is very satisfying. Like if a girl graduates from college and sends me a photograph of herself with her graduation certificate, it's a happy moment. Um, uh, you know, or someone wins, wins a gold medal in karate or kung fu, and I know where that girl came from. It's a proud moment. So that I feel very good about. And in my own way, I have a group of friends and family who I are my support system, and I talk to them a lot. And they are from all ages, from Gloria Steinem, who's in her 80s, to uh, my um, niece, who's 13. And, uh, you know, I talk to them about different subjects. We organize, we fight, we struggle, we laugh, we dance, we go out for dinner together. Um, And that is fantastic. But also I find art and creativity are very healing. I love painting Mm. and uh, I paint hope. You know, I always tell people I'm an outsider to the art world. I'm not a trained artist. In fact, You know, the last time I painted was when I was 14 years old in school. And then I didn't touch my paintbrushes till the COVID year. Then I found my old school drawing book and paints. And I began to paint the hope I saw in my mother's garden. Mm. Nature was burst. It was monsoon. And nature was regenerating itself. You know, uh, there were green and water pouring from the clouds and squirrels scampering and snails inching forward and flowers blossoming. And it gave me so much um, peace and healing because, uh, you know, life does start Mm. again. And I wanted to share that with myself at that moment, you know. So I began to paint it. I said, I have to bottle this moment. Mm. And I bottled it in a painting. And then I shared it with the world because... Really, I'm an outsider to the art Mm. world, you know, but all I do through my writing and painting is I paint Mm. hope. I write hope. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I I saw your your art and and I was so inspired by um, just, you know, your multi-passionate self being, um, you know, a journalist, being a creative, a writer, uh, an artist, an entrepreneur, an Emmy award winning documentary filmmaker. I mean, there are so many things. And I think that it's inspiring because sometimes as change makers, we think that there's only one path and there's only one way uh, to do things. and and I I love that you've embraced sort of those many passions. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting because sometimes, of course, you know, the work that we do is so hard that you want to give yeah. up. For every girl that I talk about, you know, there are others who didn't make it, right? Mm. And uh, situations, even in my own personal life, which I could do nothing about, you know, like I may have lost a friend and I couldn't explain to her why I was so obsessed with sex trafficking mm. and couldn't go out with her for dinner or something, right? And then you slowly drift apart. And then you regret that that, and you want to tell her that it's not, uh, that you didn't have time, but you were just not, you just had other priorities yeah. or whatever, yeah. right? And, uh, or other issues, you know, and I I realized my grandmother, or sometimes you don't find the solution to a very hard problem. And my grandmother would say that, you know, Ruchi, um, when one door shuts, a window opens. 
And I have literally found that because I keep inventing different ways of tackling this huge problem of human trafficking and child sexual mm. trafficking, especially. And I keep inventing different ways. If I can't use the law, I'll use education. If I can't use education, I will use painting. If I can't use painting, I will use writing. But I will keep building the movement mm. for a world in which no girl or woman is bought or sold. Yeah. That's so inspiring. And I think that it's it's helpful for all of our listeners. This is a podcast for change makers. Um, so I think just for, for everyone who's listening, um, just to know that we can continue and not give up. I think the resilience that you're showing through the work that you've done um, is incredibly inspiring. Um, so what would you say to change makers, young change makers today who are hoping to perhaps harness their own creativity uh, to advocate for, to create change in their communities or even the world? I would say you can do four things at any given moment in your life. You can learn about an issue which matters to you. In my case, I would say learn about sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, you can uh, act on it by volunteering or fundraising for a girl or a boy who's of less privilege than you because it will make you feel better and you will create a better world in which you live in. So it's good both ways. The third thing you can do is advocate. So you probably have ways of writing to your local member of parliament or senator um, and telling them to keep issues of exploitation of girls and boys front and center in their policies. Uh, you can. I have a pledge on my website, ruchiragupta.com, which you can sign, which goes directly to the UN, asking them to remember the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal 5, which is about gender-based violence. And uh, you can buy my book and share the story with other kids because it might give them some clues to deal with difficult issues in their own lives, like from bullying to sexual exploitation. Uh, but also you'll share the story of a girl in India who succeeded against sex trafficking, which might give hope. Mm. And, uh, you know, choose a topic you like, but these are the four ways. Yeah. Act mm. is what I would yeah. say. Don't get daunted. Nothing is big or small. Only time shows whether it was big or small, but do it as if it matters. Mm. Amazing. And how do you care for yourself today? What are your, your, do you, are you continuing to, to use your art, although you're not in your, um, uh, in your parents' garden? I always have a little art book with me and some uh, paint brushes and a few paint boxes with me when I travel. So I have that. I'm traveling right mm -hmm. now. And I will paint the clouds today because it just stopped raining and the sun is out and it's looking beautiful. Mm. Um, and uh, I will, I'm trying to figure out how to paint raindrops uh, to make the, catch the transparency of raindrops. So that's what mm. I'll do. And I'll go for a walk uh, along the creek. I walk 10,000 steps every day and I look at nature when I walk, uh, the birds and the grass and the water and whatever I can see around me. If I'm in New York, I walk the sidewalks and look into the cafes, mm. but I like seeing life around yeah. me. 
Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for sharing all of the hope that you are just bursting with. Um, and I'm feeling it all the way across the, the continents. <laughs> and and I, I'm sure that everyone who will listen to this episode will feel your message of hope as well. Um, and Thank you. And Julia. I'm really looking forward to the release of your book. You know, you can pre-order I Kick and I Fly already. Uh, it's available on all the online channels. So uh, it's available. What a change maker. To learn more about Ruchira Gupta and order her upcoming book, I Kick and I Fly, go to ruchiragupta.com. You can also learn more about Apna App via their website, and you'll find all the links in the episode show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. And if you have any thoughts after listening to this episode, go to girlsglobe.org changemaker and share a comment or question under this episode. As I mentioned in the introduction, this is our 20th episode. It has been such a pleasure and most importantly, a boost of hope and positivity to speak with so many amazing change makers and to share these conversations with you. So as we continue this podcasting journey together, I want to invite you to share your comments, your questions or your thoughts in a voice message. Do you have any concerns in your work as a change maker that you'd like us to discuss? Do you have questions for me or about Girls Globe? Do you have any comments or additions you'd like to make to the conversations that we've had so far? Perhaps you want to tell us about what you like about this podcast, or maybe you just have an inspirational message to share with our global community of changemakers. Whatever it may be, go to girlsglobe.org changemaker and scroll to the section called leave a message or ask a question. Once you've recorded and submitted your recording, we will review and may very well use your question or comment in an upcoming episode, or even as the basis of a conversation. I am really, really looking forward to hearing from you. This is a weekly podcast. However, we will be taking a one-month break to review, improve, and leave some time to prepare future episodes of the Hey Change Baker podcast. These first 20 episodes have been so much fun to make, and I'm really looking forward to continuing these important conversations for you and hopefully with you. This will also give you time to listen to any episodes that you've missed so far or re-listen to the ones that you've enjoyed. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening and learning. See you soon, Changemaker. Changemaker.